Welcome. Hello. Welcome to Is That Embarrassing? Oh, I should have said it with you. <laughs> it's okay. Let's try it again, guys. Welcome w- to welcome. Is That Embarrassing? embarrassing? <laughs> You'll get so sick of that. Um, I know we'll have to play with something else. <laughs> I am your host, Stephanie. And I'm your co-host, Sammy. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, which is all of you, because this is the first episode, (laughs) Um, this is a podcast about secrets, embarrassing moments, all of the things that you hide from the world, and um, we are just here to tackle those subjects um, one guest at a time, and we want to um, just dissect the stigmas and shame that surround these certain topics. And so that's what we're doing here. We are doing it. We're doing it. Um, how was your week? It was really good. Yeah? Yeah, it was really amazing. That's what good. did I do? You oh, went to that. I went to see Billy Joel at yes. Madison Square Garden. Yes. I've seen him maybe a hundred times. It that's was really a lot of times. So many times. I've been seeing him since I'm 14 years old. You guys will all know that I'm a huge, huge Billy Joel fan. So anytime I get to see him, it is the highlight of my whole world. Yeah, I was watching your Instagram story and I was like, is she crying? She was crying. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Yeah. Um, love my it. husband proposed to me rewording a Billy Joel song. Oh, that's really sweet. So whenever he does that song live, we both just go, oh my God. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that. How was your week, Steph? Um, it was really good. I'm trying to think of what I did. I had some comedy things going on. What else? Do you remember what I did this week? <sighs> Everything things? becomes such a blur when you live in this city, you know? I mean, it really does. This city is exhausting. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I think it was really good. I don't remember anything particularly awful That means it happening. was a good week because you'll remember the bad shit, right? Yeah, yeah. I just like worked a lot this week and yeah, that was that. But um, I did, so I do have a secret. You do? <laughs> um, it's not necessarily a great one, but it's an interesting one that I haven't told you. I just found out yesterday. I don't, I can't really remember if I told you this yesterday when I saw you or not. Um, but so I found out that I have, um, Epstein-Barr. Did I tell you this? What? Okay. No. So Epstein-Barr is the virus that causes mono. So it's, it's like different. So I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr once in 2012. And basically what happened was I got really, really sick. Um, I was like throwing up, my side was hurting, I couldn't stay awake, like my I couldn't keep my eyes open. And so finally after maybe like five or six days, my mom's like, Okay, this isn't just the flu. I still lived at home. I think I was eighteen. Um, she's like, This isn't just the flu, like we're taking you to the doctor. And so two doctors wrote it off just like, Nope, she's got the flu. And finally my mom's like, I know you, this isn't normal. So she took me to one of the like better hospitals in our area and they started by doing a full blood panel and my white blood cell count was all over. Oh my gosh. And um I had gone to Africa earlier that year and so it became this scary thing where they were like bringing in oncologists, they were bringing in infectious disease specialists, all of these doctors. Um, and this was back in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And they had tested me for mono and it came back negative. But then when they ran like the second test for Epstein-Barr, it came back positive. And they had poked and prodded me to death. I had so much blood work done, so many different scans and tests and doctors. And then they were like, we're the like, they literally, it was just doctors sitting in this room. Like, we don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. And so they were like, we're going to do another blood panel to see where, like how your levels have changed, if anything has changed. And when they did another blood test, I, the test came back positive. God, and this was so, back in 2012. 2012. And so does that mean that you'll always carry this? So it, yes. Yeah, so it lays dormant in your system, um, in your body, I mean, for pretty much ever. And it's really unlikely that it um, reactivates. I've had it reactivate once before and now twice. 
Um, so, so you're a super rare case. Yes. How cool. <laughs> yes, I'm very special. So I went to the doctor um, because on Monday because I I've just been feeling like really off. I've been feeling over exhausted, and I was blaming it on just like burnout from my job and my life and this city, um, but there were some things that just like weren't adding up and it just didn't make sense that I could sleep like 18 hours in a day on a Saturday and like be exhausted still. So I went initially thinking maybe something was going on with my thyroid and I just asked them to do blood work and I was like, oh, by the way, I did have Epstein-Barr a long time ago. I know you don't really get it again, but can we do a test? And sure Good enough. For you. Sure enough. So... Oh. Um, my doctor said that it, I'm like not contagious or anything right now, which is great, but it's ironic because it is like, it like mono is associated with like, oh, you get mono from kissing. And I'm like, I haven't kissed in six months. <laughs> I was like, going to ask my lips you. I'm are like, wow, about to are you fall kissing? off my body. <laughs> and so I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I can't even be like, oh yeah, I got it from making out with this hot guy. Like, I'm just like, you know, I was going to go there. Too. Yeah, no. So, so that's the fun irony of it is I haven't been kissing in so long and I freaking got it I got it just came to life <laughs> yeah that's a thing and it, it is really frustrating and annoying but it also explains so much because I've just been exhausted and, and now not feeling yourself yeah and now I know and it's funny because so it's not funny but the last time I got it um I ended up literally on bed rest because it went so long um not being addressed that my spleen had enlarged from the normal like four centimeters to 16 and so they were like you know and when you get mono they're like no contact sports because your spleen can rupture and so mine had enlarged so much that they were like you can't really move other than to like go to the bathroom and like walk down the hallway and so today I woke up and I like went to work and I was going through my day whatever and all of a sudden I was talking to my like co-manager and I got this super sharp pain where my spleen is and I was just like oh my god no so it's interesting because it's gonna force me to slow down um that's just a thing that now I don't really have a choice my body has spoken um but it is triggered by stress and so I'm kind of stepping back and reevaluating like what I need to do in my personal life to tend to my body a little bit better. Totally. Oh yeah. man. I always try and think about what slowing down means means for different people. Like we live in this crazy city that moves so fast. Yeah, and in a society in general that demands instant oh, yeah, gratification. Too. And so, and my job is literally they pay me to be an empath, which is great, but also just a demanding and emotionally exhausting job. Um, So I'm constantly just like dealing with people and dealing with fires and mediating and putting out fires. And so that as an, as a person who is an empath, I thrive at that job, but I also internalize a lot of it. So when things don't go perfectly, I like take that personally and I make that mine. Or when someone isn't happy and they're like upset or we, you know, they're in a situation, they've got themselves in a situation that has like really forced hardship on them I internalize that and then it becomes my problem and your stress and I I can't do anything to solve it you know because it's not really my problem but that's how I like view it and it's really hard I try and um recite the mantra every morning or whenever I start working that every problem has a solution and that may sound really silly but we are problem solving all day while listening to our customers concerns and the solution may not be the optimal solution, but it's something and you did go ahead and solve it. Yeah. Whether it's what you wanted or not. It's, I mean, it yeah. totally sucks if there really isn't the solution that you wanted. But yeah. Hopefully yeah. that's something. Take that with you, Steph. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, I'm hoping to possibly, I'm getting a couch because I'm an adult. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting a couch Thursday. I live in a, a little humble New York studio. Guys, it is the cutest Thank studio you. I've ever We're going to paint it soon when my mom comes to visit. I'm, I'm going to help. Excited. Yeah. So um, I haven't really had a need for a couch, but now um, that I have been hanging out with this dude and having a little bit more of a social life it is very with me 
Yeah, basically, like I got a couch because I'm hoping to one day have a boyfriend and because I want Sammy to be able to come hang out with me and my dog. Literally, those That's are the reasons. really all I want. Um, but you do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. I invited this dude. We, he, he was in my area. So we went to a bar and just like hung out. And I invited him to see like come up and see my apartment and meet Penny, which is like literally we might as well be married now because you met my dog. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But it's this weird like we can't hang there because what am I going to do? But like, so do you want to sit on my bed? It's super casual. Like yes, that brings me so far back to college when I lived in a studio for three out of my four years in college and like I guess that's why I made so many of the choices that I yeah, made because you didn't like, have a couch. I didn't have a couch and then I'm like oh you want to sit on my bed and then like and then we're just kissing and yeah then, and this guy oh, that, man. that's probably that's like, it, it would just be awkward so and stuff so, you need a couch so I'm getting a couch Thursday so I'm definitely gonna work from home or Friday I'm sorry um so I'm working from home and I might even see if I can like take Thursday and work from home you just should because even the act of like not having to deal with public transit not exactly. having to walk a million miles go up a million flights of stairs haul my dog with me get dressed like let me just work from in my pajamas yes. and, and guys that is all before the work day starts yeah what did I post by the today? time that I yeah. get to work I've already walked two and a half miles like by the time I start my day because yeah. I like wake up I walk Penny and then I walk her be- again before we get on the train and then like just my commute to the train station and then to the office it's yeah yeah I posted a meme this morning to my story that was like when's this day gonna be over already and, then and the it's next like was, it's 8 a.m yeah, yeah yeah I saw that actually posted on like the be- betches that's Instagram. what I took it from I love and them. I was like this is so relatable yeah so or like I love when it's like you know 10 a.m on a Monday and I'm like what a long fucking week <laughs> like oh gosh that was the other meme about January struggling. I felt like last yeah. this January this past January it was like the longest month ever and everyone's like wow this is what a the longest year. what a year it's been yeah what a year January has been oh so true um so yeah we have an episode for you guys today um we are going to dive into something that I consider to be a secret of mine um and we're just going to kind of talk openly about it the next episode we'll discuss Sammy's you know secret and we have some guests lined up and without revealing too many details we're we're digging in deep we're talking divorce murder um stis you name it and so uh really stay tuned we have some great comics lined up and that's another thing we just want to kind of talk about these serious things but bring a lightheartedness to them um yeah so first we have a sponsor so this episode of is that embarrassing is sponsored by there's skincare theirs theirs t-h-e-i-r-s because there's so many versions to theirs there's so many but more importantly skin is not for him or her because beauty has no gender i happen to identify as a female but the fact is skin is everyone's largest organ their skincare is going to take care of your skin and the muscles below the surface from mineral clay masks and muscle salves to lip balms and facial mists and every product in the line is infused with CBD, which is my absolute favorite. I have a CBD tincture. I use a CBD balm on my back. It has been a huge lifesaver. Anyway, their skincare puts science to work, proving the healing benefits CBD has in your daily skincare routine. Redefine the future of your skin, because what's more embarrassing than having bacne? Is that embarrassing? Is that embarrassing having a pimple on my lip or in the upper part of my lip that's the like right under my nose it's terrible but that won't happen because theirs is going to save your life and to change your life starting with your skin visit theirs.shop that's t-h-e-i-r-s dot shop s-h-o-p or hit up instagram at theirs.skincare and please be sure to use the code embarrassing20 for 20% off your first order 20% off Yes, embarrassing 20. Good skincare could be yours. Yes. And at a deal. I love a good deal. We love a good deal. We love a good sponsor. Thank you, theirs. Thank you. Um, And we will be sharing some content. We love theirs. We love doing their face masks. Um, So we'll be sharing some of our f- favorite products of theirs. 
so many Some of theirs. products of theirs there. So many products of theirs theirs. We're going to share our favorites. There's too much. <laughs> Um, but anyways, so we will share some of our favorites. Um, and yeah, we recommend go follow them on Instagram. Their feed's really beautiful. Their feed, theirs, there's, their feed. There's, their feed is really beautiful. <laughs> it's so fun. We love them. <laughs> we love them. Okay. They're the best. We <laughs> love them there as they. <laughs> there's they. And not to make fun of that. That's a really important no. pronoun. No. It, it, yeah. No, that's not where we are going with this at all. It's just very difficult because there are so many types of theirs. Yes. That's where the issue is, is like, whoo, and nothing gets me going. Like someone who doesn't know the difference between it the It really theirs. pisses me off. Like there, we're going there. They are there. And then there. That's almost <laughs> as bad as the wrong your. It is. Like, I will I not. Really, I judge someone's intelligence. I won't date somebody. I won't. I will not date someone who uses the wrong your. I won't slack somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't slack anyone anyways. I freaking can't. Oh, I love New Yorkers slack. and their slack. I love slack so oh much. Oh, my gosh. They're like, we created this new IM system for an even higher sense of urgency. I'm like, drown me. <laughs> <laughs> it just brings me back to like middle AIM. school and AIM. It's my <laughs> I favorite get that. thing. Like, maybe if I could like, maybe you can write an away message. Maybe I'm just doing slack wrong. You can do an oh away message on slack. Tomorrow. Well, not like... Um, the tr- in the traditional sense oh, of AIM. No, but. yeah, I want to do like Kelly Clarkson lyrics. Oh I'm gonna see if I can get my product team. There's to help a Twitter me find account a that I follow called Your Away Message, and it's the old AIM logo. It's actually a friend of camp, a friend friend of mine from camp. His sister is a, I think she's a comedian or a writer, but she's the force behind this <clears throat> Twitter account, and it's all of the like hit the cell. Oh my god, I love it. And I always think like what if we just started changing our handles to our old inst- like our Instagram and Twitter handles to our old aim and handles. My Instagram handle is my old Oh, aim. mine is not. Mine would be like sweet xo tears xo thir- underscore 13 literally. Oh my gosh. So, I sometimes so call my sad. friend Melanie by her aim name. I call her Lil Miss Drama 11. I mean, I remember like this guy had a crush on his aim name was Big Daddy Bob three six three. Oh my word oh yeah bad brian thought that his was so original which was narib 007 narib for all of you is brian backwards oh my gosh he's so cool oh, i'm giving him so much shit when we end this recording yes. and 007 because he's the world's biggest james bond fan but oh my gosh you know so, I digress. So um, we're going to jump into this. So again, this week is kind of about me. Woo! <laughs> um, it's so, not about me. And it's Aww. not about my mono. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have another secret. And, and when I say secret, this is something that I have shared with maybe five close friends of mine. Um, I It's something that's a little bit like newer that I've been... Um, diving into as far as like being a part of who I am um so I guess let's just freaking get into it um so I recently was diagnosed by my therapist with an eating disorder and body dysmorphia and um so it's interesting because the diagnosis dates back to like eighth grade like we did a lot of digging and we're like when did this actually start like that movie yeah everything happened in eighth grade everything happened in eighth grade that movie was so on point um I so it's interesting because it goes way back and as of right now I I wouldn't say I struggle as much with like having an eating disorder as I did in the past but I definitely struggle with my relationships surrounding food and my body um and having a newly like like a new diagnosis of body dysmorphia and learning a little bit more of what that looks like and how it impacts me has been interesting. So I haven't really talked openly. Um, I've known obviously throughout my entire life that I didn't have a great relationship with food in my body. Um, but to dig into it with a like licensed therapist, um, who is also a doctor uh, and to kind of get to the root of all of it has been a journey. So I we're going to discuss that a little bit on today's episode. Amazing. Steph, I have some questions. Okay. 
I would love to know how you feel like social media impacts eating disorders and body dysmorphia because I feel like there's we could probably talk about that forever right yeah and it's kind of scary for me um like I think of what my job as a parent is gonna look like especially I mean for a boy or a girl but especially for a girl um because I grew up in like you know the beginning of the social media era Mm -hmm. so like there was myspace and facebook and things like that but the extent to which it was used was way different um and like my parents monitored it which now kids go on the internet and they're not monitored at all so they they can be on their little ipads and looking at whatever whatever and so um I think that social media plays a huge role first of all because we're kind constantly putting on this front that our life is perfect um and then in addition we have these things like facetune filter yeah filters facetune all of these apps like I it's hard for me even to separate sometimes because I have friends who are like who I think are like so beautiful and have great bodies and then I see them post these pictures that are significantly edited and like I know this I know this like you're a photographer I've seen the original photo you know and so and it and then it just hurts me because I think like if they think that there's something wrong with their body and they're like significantly more fit and like attractive than me then like I start internalizing that and comparing myself and so I think that social media it can play you know both roles we have um we have the side of things where everything is filtered and nothing is fake and it sets us up for comparison and feeling really discouraged but then we have the side of things like if we look at the brand Aerie and their model Iskra Lawrence Lawrence is like my dream if Tell I could me about just, Lawrence. if I could just be her best friend she um she ha- is recovered from an eating disorder she is this beautiful voluptuous model who has a great ass yes. very similar body type to mine except better but that's fine um she, don't compare yourself I know I know I know I know but so she essentially was a model was like starving herself to fit into this industry standard and then kind of was like fuck it you know and so she started this movement where she wouldn't allow people to edit her photos um and it it moved into this whole airy thing now airy has this unretouched movement where they take models who don't fit the standard the industry standards and they use them and they photograph them and they don't edit them and they post them and their campaign is just like real it's, it's I real think the best social campaign I've ever seen in my life yeah and like for me with Iskra Lawrence the thing that really like has drawn me to her I think is that she was the first model that I saw in a magazine that looked like me mm-hmm. that looked like me and then like I remember like watching YouTube interviews and like reading interviews and things seeing looking at pictures of her and just seeing that like her like stomach like folded over the same way mine did when she like bent over you know just like silly things where I was like oh my gosh she's real like she's real and like she is like I mean there's people who just like admire her and people who think she's beautiful and like she doesn't feel the need to like be this fake version of herself and I just I was drawn to that um and then there's also other there's other stories like there um was a model and ah darn I thought that I had written her name down but maybe I didn't it was uh, what was her name crap man it doesn't I think you told me about her was this the one similarly that um changed the captions on her pictures and sh- about what she was really internalizing through yes her yes yes so her name was um Asina O'Neill yes and she had essentially she's this like beautiful girl um Instagram famous Instagram model and she um was documenting her life through Instagram and it looked mm-hmm. awesome and great and then one day she just cracked under the pressure and she went back and she edited all of the captions underneath her photos and so she had edited one of them where she you know I mean looks beautiful and glowing 
And she edited the caption too. I had acne here. This is a lot of makeup. I was smiling because I thought I looked good. Happiness based on aesthetics will suffocate your potential here on earth. <laughs> Which oh is like, whoof. That is so heavy. Yeah. And then she had like posted another one of her drinking a juice, like standing by this tropical pool um, surrounded by palm trees and put like, I was paid $400 to post a photo of this dress. That's when I had maybe 150,000 followers. Um, and she just writes about like how basically based on her followers, like everything was about branding to her. Um, the photo had no substance. It was not of ethical manufacturing. Um, and social media is not real. Be aware of what people promote. Ask yourself what's their intention behind the photo. And she just went on and like shared like every post that had been um, posted based on like money and promotional like from a promotional standpoint she shared that wow um good for her yeah so there is this movement there's this movement where like there's a shift um and people are being more authentic and and I think the most important thing with social media is where does your focus lie because I have been the person who has followed a million and one inspiration and fitspo models oh sure and that's what my feed is, you know, full of. And then that's where, what I focus on. And then it leads to comparison. And so now when I, I really am intentional about like what the posts I'm looking at make me feel, what kind of energy they bring me. And if I feel myself comparing myself to someone, um, it has nothing to do with them, but I'll typically unfollow them. Yeah, if um, it doesn't serve you. It's what you're choosing to see. And I also try to... F- follow more pages that focus on like learning like something like pages where I can learn something yes um because I think again social media can be such an awesome tool um it doesn't have to be destructive in this bad thing but it's all about where our focus lies and how we choose to use it yeah I agree I follow an account I've started following an account recently that is called just ingredients and it shows it's educational and it shows what like a regular box of Nabisco crackers has like what chemicals are in them versus like the organic crackers and whatnot. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, that like teaches like me that. something. It's like yeah. a stupid little thing that I'll just like scroll past, but I'm like, oh my God, I should buy the organic crackers. Wow. And I get the point of like sometimes social media is this like mindless retreat where we can go on and just like scroll and look at outfits we like and whatever. Um, but again, we, we have to be intentional about the content that we're feeding ourselves. Absolutely. And I think about what you said about these sponsored posts. Like, yes, I understand that these influencers, that's their business. And they're paid to promote these things. But their intention, but like, as I'm sure as these um, influencers are just starting, they have to take every job, like paid opportunity that they can get. Yeah, which again... As she wrote in her captions, yeah, like, this was so, not ethical. That is so powerful that she did that. And I hope that more influencers follow suit because that's so important, especially when thinking about young women who are getting onto social media. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, like, when I said I, I worry about what it'll be like when I have kids because I think that with social media being, like, such a um, such a defined thing in our society – it makes it a little bit more difficult as a parent to like have control. Your kids are, I mean, they're going to be exposed to things whether you want them to be or not. Totally. That's so scary to think about. Yeah. And then I start thinking about like my childhood and like even before social media, like what movies and TV shows was I watching that like made me think about my body? Yeah. Like what was my earliest thing? Like, I was probably looking at how, like, cute and little Jennifer Garner was in 13 going on 30 and how yeah. I wanted to wear a dress like her. Oh, my gosh. Like, that something simple like dress. that. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to look like her when I'm 30. And now I'm, like, nearly 30. And I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We're what was it for great. you? Did you have, like, a movie that you were like, oh, I want to look like that actress? I don't think it was really, um, I mean, 
probably a million movies to be honest like I think about I remember always thinking Lindsay Lohan and Freaky Friday stop that was like in my brain before I said because I I kind of like was that Avril Lavigne type I had we all I had like the pink streak (laughs) and the skater pants and etni shoes and all of that and so um yeah I think of that movie but I think for me the defining thing was um again just in eighth grade that was when I kind of started going through puberty and my body started changing and a lot of my friends like weren't going through puberty yet so I was the only one and then additionally those who were like I still was when I look back I was a really healthy weight Mm -hmm. I was super active I was in a lot of sports um but I was just like curvier I just had a curvier figure and I was filling out more and more quickly than the girls around me um and you know it's weird now because I do find that some men appreciate that a little bit more um like my figure I guess you could say um but back then boys were really mean and like I remember like a specific boy by the name of Seth and we would hang out all the time we were in band together and we really had so much in common and I had a big crush on him and then I remember he told me one day like that he just wanted me to know that like he could never he loved hanging out with me but he could never date me because I was fat and he felt the need to say that to you I guess why (laughs) I don't know he's the worst Seth if you're listening oh my gosh Um, and I have such a positive association with that name because Seth is my dad's name oh no I know (laughs) um but so I so like that comment and that wasn't the first or the only one and then I also like I have a big butt like there is nothing you can see it on Instagram yeah um but like I have a big butt and I was teased like relentlessly for that my entire life um and so those were the things I think that really contributed to my body issues was that my shape was different than the girls around me and my shape was different than the shape portrayed in most media and boys were really freaking mean to me (laughs) They were really mean. Boys suck. I mean, they still suck. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like that t-shirt that was out when we were kids that was like, boys suck, throw rocks at them. Yes, I remember. <laughs> and then it was like a little stick figure drawing, yes, right? I loved that. I had My mom really wanted me to get that at Delia's. <laughs> I love it. But um, I mean, you have such a positive outlook now, though. And so it's so not crazy to hear that you have this relationship with your body because I think personally think you're so beautiful and thank you um just amazing and strong so it just really I like sometimes like we'll stare at people on the subway as you do and I sometimes look at women in the morning that are just getting up and going to work and realizing that everybody has like they all like aren't smiling everyone looks miserable in the morning right yeah Everybody has an insecurity. Everyone oh, yeah. is insecure about something. And then I was thinking about what you were saying about why somebody, you saw the original picture of your friends mm-hmm. and then the edited one and how different it was and why they would edit that part of their body. Because you didn't see that there was anything wrong yeah, with it. But they, they think that there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Which is, the I think, just as a whole, we have to start to learn to love ourselves more. And when, when I say, when I said that about my friends, I also, I get it because there, I'm sure that there are people who look at me and kind of think the same thing. Like, why would she feel this way about herself? Um, you know, whatever. And, and so we're all, we all, the neighbor's chicken is always fatter, as my coworker Catherine likes to say. Like I the, love the that. The grass is always greener. And so it's easy for me to like think that this other person has it better, but then they're looking at someone who's like smaller than them, you know, or maybe they're looking at someone who's like not as athletic and is more petite. And they're thinking like, if only I could have a petite figure, but I have this athletic body. Like we just don't know. Um, But one of the things that is hard for me is with the, so that I struggle primarily with right now is like the body dysmorphia. And a huge part of that is just not having a clear idea of like what I look like, which is a weird concept to like dive into. Um, Shout out to my therapist. She earns her money. (laughs) She really does. Would you be able to tell me a little bit more about what that means to you? 
Which part? What body dysmorphia? Sorry, about what body dysmorphia means. Yeah, so I don't fully, like, recognize my body. Um, In addition to that, I hyperfixate on things. So I can go, like, literally... Go, go to bed at 10 p.m., feel great about myself, feel great about my body, have this great workout, be like, oh my God, I'm so lean. And then I can wake up at 9 a.m. the next morning and like look in the mirror and just like pick something that I don't like and hyperfixate on it for the next eight hours. Like literally like go to the bathroom and like look at myself in the mirror and like I will feel like people at work are only focusing on this one part of me whether it be like I woke up a little bit bloated a little bit extra bloated or like I felt like my arms look fat this day um and so it really is just this like controlling factor where my mind allows me to become consumed by like this part of my image whatever it looks like and then in addition to that um I realized after I so I went home um for a lot of the month of December to visit my family um back to Michigan and when I came back and you know picked back up in therapy um I had noticed something when I was home that is a reoccurring thing has been happening for years but I've never really noticed it and it was that I won't let my mom take pictures of me which is like very sad because my mom loves me so much um but I won't let her take pictures of me one because I don't always recognize like myself in the photos and two because I am not happy with the way that I look like every even the like best picture she can take the most flattering picture of me and I will like find a reason like find a reason to not like it um and so that I think has like I think even back to before I moved going to my aunt's house for Halloween and like fighting with my mom like I remember one time we got into an actual fight and I ended up leaving because she took a picture and I was like I asked you not to like why are you doing this and to in that moment like driving home I remember being like gosh I'm such a bitch and I'm sure she drove home and was like gosh what a bitch but like looking back it is like it's a mental disorder and it's something that I've been dealing with that I just didn't know like and I didn't know how how to like address it and how to be aware of it and make conscious steps in the right direction to correct it um so yeah that's what it looks like for me and it's a a daily thing yeah it's daily it can change on the hour it can feel so good one minute and then the next minute not oh man yeah I mean I get that and everybody has their own story and their own inner feelings um you did mention that men would always say things to you did you ever feel pressure from other women so it's interesting because yeah I absolutely did girls because we were in eighth grade yeah I mean I I have this same story that most people do where it was like terrible in early high school to like have to go in gym class do the swimming like I dreaded having to put a bathing suit on I was going to summer camp the um you're between seventh and eighth grade and one of the things that we did at this camp was swim and I remember that's the first time like that year that was the first time I cried in a fitting room because I like had boobs and like I had a like tummy and thighs and like stretch marks because I was a growing human um and you know in that moment looking now I'm like you were growing and you were perfect but like in then in that moment it was like oh my gosh I'm a monster none of my other friends have like curves none of my other friends have stretch marks and so I remember just like crying and like not wanting to go um and so I I didn't I'm sure that I did feel the pressure in a lot of ways from like my peers um but I think that more importantly like I felt pressure from like older women in my life like my um my dad's wife at the time you know was always had like a fairly decent figure and she her weight kind of fluctuated but she was like always dieting you know and always Mm. active and um and like my my mom did did everything in her power to give me the best life I could have ever imagined and I'm so so lucky but also like I grew up in you know even if you think about like the 90s in general like 
the slim fast atkins diet weight watchers all of oh, these yeah, those things were the hype yeah. like curves the gym and like all of these things um fitness usa like they were really taking off the diet industry i'll say was really starting to take off and um and so you know i remember like hearing my friend my mom and her friends talking about dieting um i remember my mom dieting and and so i kind of think back to like how those things may have impacted me as well and they were so innocent like my my mom and my stepmom they're human they weren't doing it to like you know give me bad like body image issues um most of the time they probably weren't even doing it knowing that I was aware of what was going on um but I think that I was and And that's um, really hard because our mother figures are just trying to go through it too yeah they're just like we are they're human exactly I have that that exact example my mom's a personal trainer and she's a very her body type is very different than mine she's I'm five foot nine and she's five foot one not even and when she talks about her body openly knowing that she exercises religiously every day watches every morsel that she puts into her mouth I think about my choices and the work that I'm doing on my body that day and I'm like oh I'm not good enough yeah it's hard it's really hard and I think too um yeah, I mean, our, our parents are just human. There w- was an Instagram post that went viral. I mean, this has probably been, it's been a few years, but this woman posted, she was in the fitting room with her daughter and they were both trying on bathing suits and she tried on a bathing suit and she's like, oh no, and she took it off and her daughter put on a bathing suit and she was maybe like five years old and she goes, oh my gosh, my belly is so big. And her mom, like, five years her old. mom like broke down because she was like, oh my God, where did she learn that? She learned that from me like we're sharing this fitting room and like every critique that I make to my body like she is now learning she's developing this habit and learning like it's okay to criticize yourself this way and it's okay to like express this form of like um not even hatred but just like general dislike towards yourself and so they're it's hard we have to be so careful especially when we're I mean I'm not a mom but I assume especially when you're raising little humans yeah I remember that too when my parents were getting super my mom always has been super health conscious but my dad had a crazy fitness transformation when he turned 40 he lost like oh my god I don't even know how much okay shut the fuck up because literally when my dad turned how old is he now he had to have been probably I would say between 43 and 45 probably 45 my dad lost a lot of weight like I don't know the exact number but well over 100 pounds oh wow that's a lot yeah um my dad went from I think he probably lost dad if you're listening I don't want to quote the wrong number I'm so proud of you but it was like he's always been like a tall string bean but he like just got rid of his belly and we call it like he gets mad when I post pic like really cute pictures of him from the 90s and me and my sister and he calls it fat daddy oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't fat he just had like a really cute chubby face and like a little belly dad you're perfect but my I remember being like super young and using words like FODMAP and low carb and yeah. being like an elementary school kid and my teachers are like yeah. why do you know that mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I'm like oh because my parents like we don't eat carbs we don't we like watch our we my mom was doing like weight watchers and like whatever but like we were looking at like oh that's gluten-free <laughs> yeah and it's it's interesting because like my so going back my eating disorder has always taken um form in a way of like restriction and so I can recall like being in high school early college and looking at a plate and knowing every carbohydrate that was in each item and every amount like oh one tablespoon of butter like I know how many calories this is wow and just like calculating it to a t and if I like you know went over 700 calories I would burn off 500 more than I needed to at the gym and so um that's kind of how it manifested itself was like restriction over exercising um and there with that came this like shame and guilt around Mm -hmm. food and it's been very hard to find a balance of like just like learning to that some days like my body fucking needs chocolate which shout out to brian because brian brought us sammy's husband uh brought us chocolate today but it is true like some days i do just like 
need a little piece of chocolate and that's fine and like some days I do need a burger and some days I do need a salad and um and so learning like what that balance looks like and learning that if I go out and I enjoy a happy hour with coworkers, and I have a drink and I have a burger and some fries I don't have to punish myself with the yes. gym that the gym is like something it's a privilege that I get to enjoy it is um an outlet for me and kind of just like redefining the role of food and the role of gym in my life Absolutely. Um, To go off that a little bit, I think about that too because I've recently become a very social person. Um, The last couple of years, I've been such a homebody and dealing with some other stuff, but I started feeling happier when I got social again. And does that mean that I'm drinking a little bit more, eating in restaurants more than I used to? Yeah. Do I have to feel bad about it? No. I shouldn't. Yeah. And I try and tell myself, okay, if I sweat once a day, that doesn't mean like I'm counting every calorie that I burn on the elliptical, but it's okay. I'm just going to move my body for myself today because it's also my outlet and I shouldn't feel bad about having a couple slices of pizza. And it's hard that I think that the hardest thing about recovery is like I have friends who I, I mean, I can sh- share photos of like when I was at my worst and you can tell like first of all I just don't seem like the happy person that most people know nowadays um but also like I was very thin um I wasn't thin to where someone might look at me and think like oh she's sick but I was very sick and I was mentally unwell um and I um I think back to I'm like lost my train of thoughts oh but I I think back to like that time period and I was so incredibly unhappy Like I had so much control over my body, but like I was so miserable and I was cranky and I was short with the people who loved me and I refused to go out for birthday dinners with friends because I didn't want to do anything social that involved food. Um, Oh, but what I was getting at, sorry guys, ADD. Um, What I was getting at is that I have friends who have, I mean, any level of an eating disorder is serious, but have been like, have really struggled and been hospitalized and like on the brink of death due to this um and they've recovered and they've relapsed and so it's this thing where it's never like recovery isn't really a linear thing um and I think that when people do recover and they don't struggle or they don't like you know clinically relapse you are still always going to struggle like it's always going to be this thing that is kind of part of you it's just how you Um, decide to acknowledge it and how you decide to you know build your life around it I guess totally um and so it's interesting because um like I, I struggle all the time I just went on a huge gym kick and I realized I was doing it where I was tracking every single calorie I took in and then I was going to the gym and I was working off 70% of the calories that I ate and this was recent this was three, four weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so then when you consider the fact that earlier in this episode, I mentioned that I, you know, walk on an average, probably five to seven miles without even trying. So there's like those calories that are already burnt. And then I'm going and I'm like taking what I've eaten and, you know, figuring out what's 70, 75% and burning that at the gym. And that was just doing cardio. And then I would go and do weights after it. And this was like for probably nine days straight before I like went into a therapy session and we were talking and I had brought it up and she started asking questions and like prying a little bit. And Mm -hmm. then I realized like that I was falling into this pattern. Mm. And so I had to find a balance. Um, And now I have mono, so I can't work out for a minute. So that sucks. You know what? Take that as a sign, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, but but it is just this interesting when you have this mentality for so long, you have to really freaking fight it. You have to fight yourself to like break that habit. It's always a struggle. And I'm now thinking about how these fitness crazes are now turning into a wellness movement. And I wonder what that means. And if... I mean, I'm relating all of this to marketing and how industry standards have been pushing not just women, but women and men for so long to be a certain way and to look a certain way, act a certain way, feel like they have to go to the gym a million hours a day. 
But what does, at the end of the day, it's really all about wellness. Because if you're working out and you're at your thinnest, it does not mean that you're your happiest. You're probably so angry. Absolutely. I remember when I was at my thinnest a few years ago, I was miserable. Yeah. And the thing is, is there, there's a difference between a general wellness and the diet and beauty culture and diet and beauty culture thrives on guilt. And it's like guilt over a delicious piece of chocolate. Again, thank you, Brian. Um, (laughs) But like, really, it's guilt over a dessert, guilt over your dress size, over wrinkles, um, over your acne, whatever it is. And so they teach you this guilt. And then guess what? They have a product to sell you. Um, it all relates to marketing but I yeah wonder, they have a solution to sell yeah, I just wonder what we can do as a society to avoid doing this self-sabotage on a day-to-day basis and how we can live well and I think the important ourselves the importance is to not feel guilty for existing really like you're allowed to eat you're allowed to take up space you're allowed I was to just age. gonna say take up space yeah you're allowed to age you're allowed to exist in the body that you have right now without spending all of your time energy and resources on changing it and making it better and and it's just I mean like uh, you have to be attentive and you have to be intentional with your mentality and the way you have to know that like people are trying to sell you people on Instagram people in the stores your doctors like I had doctors who would like ask me if I wanted to be you know a patient for a new trial which this is actually an interesting story so I and um so the the way that I really dove into this and figured out that this was something I struggle with is I was in a very toxic relationship I started going to therapy because I wanted to figure out why my relationships were fucked up and how I could make them better. And then it, you know, kind of turned into this, like, I need to work inward thing. And so this was a huge thing that I had to work on in addition to many other things. Um, but it, it kept surfacing because the relationship I was in and at the time, um, I had lost like 35 pounds. And this was a person who like, if I got a salad with crispy chicken instead of grilled, he'd be like, well, what's the point of getting a salad? Um, yeah. And he just like made, made comments that I feel like he genuinely thought were harmless. But during the course of our relationship, I kept, I kept a journal where anytime that I ate something that I felt guilty about, I would write like these like really mean, harsh things to myself. And then before I ate, I would go back and read all of them and like reconsider my decision, like as to what I was going to eat or if I was going to eat. And during this time period, I was so afraid of him leaving me for someone who was more attractive because he had done that. Um, that I went to the doctor and I knew that I didn't weigh enough to be put on prescription diet pills, but I like layered up. I put a ton of clothes on. I wore my heaviest combat boots. I like filled my pockets with change, drank two gallons of water, which like I was so sick from drink two gallons of water before this appointment oh and like did everything that I could think of to make myself get and I did all of that and I still what didn't even weigh enough like my BMI wasn't even high enough to qualify for this and but my doctor when he told me I had a mental breakdown and I was like I'm not hanging out I'm not seeing my friends I'm not seeing my family I'm not doing anything because I feel ashamed of my body which really at that point he was a great doctor but he should have been like you need therapy um but instead what he did was he said okay I'm gonna make the exception and he BSed my BMI for me and I got on these prescription diet pills and I lost a lot of weight and I was miserable and I was eating 400 calories a day and it was making me sick um and and that's all to say like everyone is selling you things like the pharmaceutical industry everyone is trying to sell you things and whether or not you like fall into it is your choice you have control yeah and that self-control is really hard I just went on a huge rampage, but I just forgot, like, those were stories that were really detrimental to me in the past, like, couple of, you know, we'll say five years that sometimes I forget about. Like, I forget, I forget that in high school I joined Tumblr and would, like, follow all of these eating disorder pages and we would have, me and these five girls would have, like, a group chat where we just, like, encouraged each other to starve throughout the day. Uh-huh. And, like, if we overate, we would disclose that to each other and be like, okay, well, you need to go do a 100 sit-ups now because you fucked up. And, like, just, like, these are 
huge things that I just like internalized and didn't yeah and you don't realize and when you look back on it you remember that all of this I want to hug younger me I want to hug younger me too I I vividly remember being at this I went to a performing arts camp when I was a kid for a very long time and I think how old was I I think I was between like sixth and seventh grade Mm -hmm. and I'm coming back from a play rehearsal walking into our cabin at sleepaway camp and I see my friends who are actually these girls in particular were a lot smaller than me I've always been taller than Mm -hmm. everybody else and I looked older than everyone which is a whole other story but I walk into the bathroom and I see all of these girls like about three or four girls making themselves vomit in the bathroom and Mm. I'm looking at them and I'm like oh my gosh what's going on are you guys okay are you sick and they're like no Sam you should throw up with us because that's the that's the only way that you're going to become a famous actress and that directors are going to take you seriously yeah it's scary especially like acting modeling dancing there's like specific industries where it's just that is embedded in you from like a young age yeah and everything influences us whether it's I have like a lift when I'm talking right now I don't know what's happening I I sound like Phyllis oh my sister's dog we have a lisp for her I don't think she wants people to know that but now you all know that now you know secrets (laughs) um but yeah yeah, no, that's no, we're and, always influenced, whether it's stuff from our past that comes up that you don't realize affected you, but it's so affected you. And then all of the marketing that's thrown our way every single day, no matter where we're looking, yeah. even when we don't try. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I mean, I think that, you know, again, making those being aware, making active choices as to what kind of media and content you allow to enter your life um, and be consumed by you. Obviously, a lot of it is out of our control. TV, movies, radio, you know, you name it. We live in New York, so billboards. Everything, Um, subway ads. But I think also something that we can do is, like, support these um, companies that, you know, Dove, Airy, American Eagle, like these companies that are stepping out. They're and really saying, like, doing it. No, fuck the industry. Like we're, we want real. Yeah. Even CVS, the um, drugstore, they're, they're not editing their makeup ads anymore. Yeah. And there's no, there, it, it's a touchy subject because there's no, we're not shaming like Victoria's Secret who has said that they'll never, although I have an issue with them, but it has nothing to do with body positivity. They've said they won't, I think, I'm pretty sure it was them. Uh, I might be fucking this up, so don't yell at me. But I'm pretty sure they don't allow plus size models, Victoria's Secret, on the runway. But in addition, they specifically, I know this is right, they specifically spoke out maybe two years ago, a year ago in an interview and stated that they'll never allow transgender models to model their clothes. And so I have a little bit of an issue with that. But like it's not just their sizing, too. They don't have realistic size. Oh, no, not at all. But so it's not to say I didn't mean to bash VS. Sorry. Um, Sorry, They're really trying. They're going through a lot right now. Yeah. Where I was going with this is that like it. Us saying this isn't like, oh, you shouldn't support clothing lines that like edit their models because most of them do. But like if we can go out of our way, like American Eagle developed a a line of jeans called Curvy and it has been like my dream. I remember being a kid and just being like, oh my gosh, because my pants either were always way too tight in my waist because they had to like fit you know they never like yeah 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 yeah. I always have that buck that gap in the Mm -hmm. back of my pants because my ass is bigger than my waist and the ratio is all off because you're a woman with curves yes yes and so that has always been an issue and I hate wearing belts so I've had to decide do I want my jeans to just be too tight and I don't have to wear a belt or do I want to figure out how to deal with this gap and American Eagle has solved the issue and they've created this curvy line and their jeans hug me fucking perfectly like literally perfectly that's how I feel about Madewell and then I discovered I mean this was my own fault and I followed clicks on social media that brought me to Khloe Kardashian's good American brand oh yeah but I will give props to Khloe because she does something really cool on her website she um showcases three different models with three very different body types on purpose and she goes do you want to see this, this on type. they like she 
calls them by name being like Stephanie's six foot two weighs X amount of pounds and is wearing this oh, high waisted fit. And I'm like, yes, I want to see that. Cause this girl kind of looks like me and she's like kind of, I'm not six two, but like, but we do need fine. more yeah. of that versus just seeing like a standard, you know, uh, five foot nine hundred and thirty five pound model. Yes. Like we do need more of that. Um, body diversity. Yeah. Diversity. It's nice. I want to see that in every store because all I do is shop online now. Oh, see, I'm so opposite. I have to try everything out. Well, I use I'm very my bad at returning. A... I have two dresses oh, no. that I need to return right now. I'll help you. And I mean, they literally. Or I'll just take one. One is at the Nordstrom Rack that's right by my office outside of Union Square. And the other one is at Express, which is right outside. Right there yeah. on Fifth. And I, oh, man. I just, it's been since before valentine's day because i had bought both of these dresses thinking i'd wear one of them on valentine's day or on the 13th which i went to a musical and i didn't wear either and so now it's like you know probably 80 90 dollars worth of dresses sitting in my closet so. i'll help you return them I'm mom also don't really, yell at me if you're listening no don't worry mom i'll help her and i'm also really good at talking um stores out of their return policy policies yeah, well, I can I'm talk my like way into 30 anything. days, so I think we should be good. But We're going to be fine. I'm going to help you. Yeah. But shopping online is really fun, and I love that there are brands out there that are helping people who like to use their home as a fitting room like yeah. me. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that was that's my secret, and, and it is difficult. It's like a vulnerable thing to talk about. It's a little bit easier right now because I, I like have developed a trust with Sammy, and because there's not anyone like looking me in the eyes, like you know, listening to me talk to them. Um, but it, it's very difficult. It's something that I have not openly discussed with like my parents, my family. Um, so this has been a vulnerable thing, um, and I think that. We had like some notes written down and one of the things was if you could tell anyone, like give anyone advice as to how to like love someone with an eating disorder. Um, And I think the biggest thing is um, it's really hard, but like for me, the biggest thing that someone can do is like compliment more than my body. Yes. And um, even like even if I am losing weight and it's for healthy reasons, like, I can't tell you the amount of people in my life who very innocently and very lovingly will be like, oh, my God, you look like you've lost weight since you moved to New York. You look so good. Um, and and I just thank them. I know it's harmless, but the bottom line is, like, you don't know if someone has lost weight because they have, like, a medical condition, a mental illness, an eating disorder. You know, this there could be negative reasons why they're losing weight. And then, like, there's this confusing, like, mental fuck, fuckery of a game that happens when, like, you're losing weight and you know it's not healthy and you know that you're, like, miserable and hurting inside. And then someone's like, but you look great. And then you're like, but I have to keep doing it because I look great, you know. But you feel like crap. And so the rule of thumb is, like, don't bring up someone's appearance unless they invite you to. Like, if they say, like, oh, yeah, I started this boot camp, like, six months ago and I've been working out really hard, then, like, it's it's probably okay to, like, compliment them on their effort. Um, But, like, why don't we look at things like, you know – success in our careers and uh, you know complimenting someone's ability to like take the step to go to therapy and heal themselves um complimenting the decorations that they picked out for their apartment and like their ability to style an apartment do you know what I'm saying like there's just so much more compliment my fucking brain as Christina from Grey's Anatomy has said oh my god stop are we getting into Grey's no we don't have time we don't have time but we will at some point we just found another thing in common compliment my brain like I, I want someone to compliment me for like having the courage to go on stage and try comedy and like having the courage to bomb at comedy once in a while. And so, you know, compliment those things, um, find something outside of people's appearance. And if you know that someone is struggling with an eating disorder, like don't, don't be aware, be loving. But if you're not the person in their life who needs to hold them accountable, i.e. their therapist, doctor, parents, immediate family, then like maybe don't compliment or don't comment on the amount that they're eating or what they're eating or how often they're eating. Just like mind your fucking business and be a loving friend and support them, whatever that looks like. I think it varies person to person. Definitely. So 
Yeah, that's that. Love your bodies. Love your bodies. Love your body. That seems so cliche, but it's so true. Everybody is a good body. We forget. Yeah. So that's my episode. Nice. Now you know. Do you have anything else? Do I have anything else? No. (laughs) Okay. So um, thank you for listening to our first episode. We will be back next week with more stuff. Sammy's episode. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Guys, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, do that. Uh, Find us on Instagram. Is that embarrassing? That's our handle. Um, We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. That's how people can find out about us. That's how we show up in algorithms and feeds and other things that I know nothing about. But I know it's very important. It's important to say it. Everyone says it. Yeah, so if you like this, please rate, review, subscribe. My personal Instagram is Seekerandsaught, S-E-E-K-E-R-A-N-D-S-O-U-G-H-T. She spelled it for people. I'm going to regret the length of my handle for the rest of my life. No, it's wonderful. Don't ever change. Mine is the Sammy Kramer, not... I-E, not Y, just an I. S-A-M-M-I. S-A-M-M-I. Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R. Follow us, share your secrets with us. Stay tuned for more. Woo! Bye! Bye.